You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can win the table. We're going to do it. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation. I cover the NFL around the internet, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. Like us on Facebook, where we post all of our content, and you can subscribe to Locked On Packers on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Play, wherever you find podcasts. You'll find Locked On Packers, the number one Packers podcast in the state of Wisconsin, and the show for fans who know what happened. They want to know why and how. No John Ledyard on the show today. Schedules not permitting, but that gives us an opportunity. I wrote two stories yesterday about Matt LaFleur and Brian Gutekunst, their uh, meeting with the media. This was the first opportunity for the national media to meet them and and ask their questions. There were, predictably, um, a lot of McVay questions to Matt LaFleur. Those are those are things that he's answered uh, to the Green Bay press and, and spoken about in the past. And you know he is he's still getting used to all of this. He's still used to getting you know all the attention as the head coach and and you know you expect him to grow into it. You expect him to get a little bit better. And there were times when he did speak eloquently about certain topics. In fact, the uh, the thing that really set him off in a good way was talking about Sean McVay and what he was not just as a football mind, but as a communicator, as a leader as a relationship builder. And that was something that I was really heartened to hear him bring up about the Packers. He wants that to be a core tenant of this team, of of his style, of the relationship that his coaching staff has with his players. It's about building relationships. It's about open communication. That is a really underrated part of the Sean McVay genius in LA is the ability to get everyone on the same page, pulling on the rope in the same direction. This is something we heard Matt LaFleur not only echo, but emphasize. And, uh, you know, I think we talked about this yesterday, and I was really glad um, that it was brought up almost right away in the Brian Gutekunst press conference. On the show, before we we got to Jason, uh, I mentioned that we don't have any idea what this offense looks like uh, with Brian Gutekunst picking players for it. And would there be a difference in the way Matt LaFleur prioritizes guys and the way that Mike McCarthy prioritized those guys? We don't know yet. That's something that we still have to figure out. And that question was put to Brian Gutekunst. Hey, this is not Mike McCarthy's team anymore, so what does this look like? Is there a difference in picking players for Matt LaFleur than Mike McCarthy? And what he said was basically no. Uh, he gave what is a quintessential Ted Thompson disciple answer and basically said football is football. And not basically, he literally said that. He said there are tweaks, there are things you have to take into account, uh, but football is football. And and Matt LaFleur talks a little bit about the the desire to have offensive linemen with movement skills, but that was true under Mike McCarthy as well. 
uh, they regularly had athletic requirements that they placed on these players. They wanted them to be able to move because to run a zone blocking scheme, you need to be able to do that. So the outside and inside zone runs require athletic offensive linemen. It's why Green Bay has historically prioritized offensive tackles um, versus picking guards. They like the length. They like the athletic ability. Usually you take your most athletic linemen and you put them at tackle because they've got to deal with those speed rushers. they got to deal with those edge guys flying off the corner and trying to get to the quarterback. So that's, that's not going to change. Basically, you know, I think there, there could be changes in the kinds of players Green Bay prioritizes and wants. But in terms of evaluation, and I think this is the important part, in terms of the actual evaluation of the player, how do the Packers decide who is good and who isn't? It seems like that is not going to change. You're going to have athletic thresholds that you are going to want guys to meet, but you can fudge them and, and physical thresholds, but you can... You can, those are not hard and fast rules. Jair Alexander broke with the the traditional size requirements for Packers cornerbacks. And it looks like that was a really smart decision to do that. But Gutekunst is right. Good players are good players. And what we were kind of looking for, I think, is when you ask Matt LaFleur and Brian Gutekunst, okay, so is the evaluation different? And are there are there players you feel like you need that you don't have to complete the kind of offense that you want to run. And both guys said, well, we're trying to figure that out or some variation of, no, we like our guys and we need to make some tweaks. We need to add some talent. But overall, we like the players we have. Those questions are designed to get the coach or the GM to say, yeah, you know what? We'd really like to have a pass catching running back. Or, yeah, you know what we'd really like to have? We'd really like a tight end that can block and catch passes. We'd really like someone who can who can take the top off the defense on the back end. We'd really like a pass rusher with some, with some athleticism and some juice. There were no hints. There were no hints. Now, there were uh, messages. Brian Gutekinst all but confirmed explicitly that Jimmy Graham is going to be back. He said he looks forward to seeing what Jimmy can do this year. He's back. So without actually saying, yes, we're we're picking up that roster bonus and he's going to be back with the team, we just know he is. Jimmy Graham is going to be on this team. There is no point in trying to figure out uh, if he is or if he isn't. He is. That's it. And we have to we have to work from that frame of reference. That we can't say, oh, well, if they just had this and they could get rid of Jimmy. No, no, no. Jimmy's here. He is on the team, and and that is the the starting point for any discussion around the tight end. They're paying him too much money to not play him. They're paying him too much money to not try and get him the ball. And they have they have reasons to believe that he can still be a useful player. When the Packers were scheming things up for him last year, he was able to execute a lot of those things. Didn't play up to his standards, and we'll we'll admit that. Uh, if he can just get the hands in order, if he can make some of the plays we're used to seeing him make then maybe he becomes more of the player that they thought they were getting. The idea that Jimmy Graham is going to somehow become and rediscover, you know, 2011 Jimmy Graham. No, no, no. That, that, uh, that's gone. That is out the window. That guy is not here anymore. And you, you just, you can't, 
you can't compound the mistake of giving him all the money that you gave him by then expecting him to be a player. We just know he's not. So I think you, you look at this draft and Green Bay needs to add a tight end there. They need to give him some other players and that some players that complement him. Jimmy Graham is basically the slot receiver for this team now. And that's fine because this team plays big. This team plays with two running backs and two tight ends or two tight ends and two receivers and a back. You know, there there are a lot of Packer fans out there worried about who the slot receiver is going to be. Who, how are they going to bring in more talent, receiver talent? Who are they going to sign? They don't need to sign anybody. They're not going to play with three receivers that much. So from the point, the standpoint of trying to glean some insight on how Matt LaFleur might change the evaluation when it comes to some of these guys, it doesn't seem like they there will be a, an adjustment, which is great for the front office. That makes things seamless for them. It makes it easier to just say, okay, we can, we can go status quo in terms of the process of it. And that's that's a boon for the Packers. You know, if you if you come in and have to revamp everything, if you come in and you you want to run some, you know, totally different kind of offense, maybe that that does need to change. Maybe the traits you look for do need to be altered. That's not the case here. And that's good news for us because it makes it easier for us to predict the kinds of players they're going to be interested in, which makes it easier for me to preview those players, to bring that information to you so you can have a better idea of what to expect this spring. Now, there were some interesting little nuggets in there about the current players on the team. I think that's where we gained our most insight. And there there are two areas that I want to mention specifically. But before we do, I do think it's interesting that this was not a press conference that focused heavily on Aaron Rodgers. And I mentioned that in the story that I wrote, but he spent, Matt LaFleur did most of his introductory press conference talking about, you know, his relationship with Rodgers and, and what he wants to do. And then a lot of the, the other press conference where he, where he talked about some of his assistant coaches talking about Aaron Rodgers. This was not one of those times. And I, I think that, to me, is evidence that, you know, number one, I think he understands the more he talks about building a relationship with Aaron Rodgers, the more the questions about Rodgers and his coachability and all that stuff remain in the news. Uh, that stuff, I think, has been thoroughly debunked, and, and we're not going to give it any more credence than we have to. But one of the things that, you know, Mike McCarthy always talked about the need for balance, and then at the first sign that the running game was not working, he would abandon it. And over the last few years, Green Bay was one of the worst play action teams in football. You go back to 2011, 2012, 2013, 2014, Green Bay killed teams with play action. It's the most efficient play in football. This offense, Matt LaFleur's offense, is predicated on the run game and play action. And he talked about the run game as being able to take pressure off Aaron Rodgers to extend his career because you look at you know the, the top quarterbacks at, at advanced ages, Drew Brees, look at his this late career renaissance with the run game. Tom Brady, look at how much over the last few years they've leaned on not just the run game but the running backs. In fact, 
the last th- the top three quarterbacks in terms of throwing the ball to the running backs. Now we're talking about throwing, but we're still talking about getting the ball out quick to a guy and letting him make a play rather than trying to sit, read, potentially take a shot. The Patriots, the Saints, and the, the Chargers. Phillip Rivers, Tom Brady, and Drew Brees. You don't have to take the ball out of Rodgers' hands. You don't have to say you're not going to do the Rodgers thing anymore. It's about playing on schedule more often. It's about being more balanced. And here's the thing about balance. Balance is another way of saying unpredictability. If 70% of the time you're throwing on first down, which is about what Green Bay did, defenses are expecting you to throw on first down. The thing about throwing on first down is it is something that for a long time no one did. Everyone ran on first down, so everyone knew you were running on first down. So a throw on first down was a counter to tendencies. It was for a long time, conventional wisdom said, if you were struggling throwing the ball, throw it on first down. Green Bay said, well, that's just going to be our identity. Well, teams got wise to that too. And so when they ran the ball, they were efficient doing that on first down, but they weren't able to build on that. They weren't able to take that success on first down running the ball and build it into anything on second or third down. And this offense creates opportunities with play action to hit plays down the field. Matt LaFleur is the kind of coach who he talks about this on first and second down. You want to be balanced. You want to run it and use play action. And then on third down, you can hopefully have a third and short. If you don't, then that's when you let you, you really let Rodgers loose. And in the red zone, you let Rodgers loose. The improvisation, the, the virtuoso talent that he has can really shine on first and second down. Maybe it's a little bit more contained. It's a little bit more predetermined where this is what they're trying to accomplish. That's not something that was in the McCarthy playbook. But what he said also was, we want chunk plays. That is the difference between what Sean McVay does, between what Josh McDaniels does, what Andy Reid does. These teams that have sort of hacked the math have realized Trying to get five yards on second and four is not the best way to call plays. That's not the way Sean McVay calls plays. That's not the way Aaron Rodgers, by the way, wants to play. I mean, if the last few years have taught us anything, it's that he is check down averse. He wants 40 yards, not four yards. That's what this offense is built to do. Run the ball, off that play action, get shot plays down the field, And then get a little creative. On second and one or second and three, you've got a ton of options. Go play action. You've got a shot play. Or you've got a a receiver screen. And then that receiver screen later in the game turns into a receiver screen pump and go for a touchdown. Everything builds on itself. Wanting to go for chunk plays at all times is the best way to get Green Bay to have buy-in from the quarterback. Because if you're going to say, listen, Aaron, instead of throwing it 40 times a game, we'd much rather you throw it 27, 28 times a game. But the good news is we're going to give you opportunities to throw touchdowns. We're going to give you wide open guys. We're going to we're going to have you go 21 of 28 and have three touchdowns rather than, you know, 35 of 50 and have three touchdowns. 
We're going to make your life easier by running the ball better, by designing and executing these play-action throws with with just much greater regularity than they have been. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is partially to blame. Some of the throws on these play-action passes where he has time to set his feet and just doesn't and misses open guys, that stuff has to change. And you heard Ted Wynn talk about it earlier this week. There was a lot of sloppiness in this offense over the course of last year, and you can you can send that back into 2017 and even 2016. Ryan Grant tells a story about playing for Kyle Shanahan, and they spent days and like entire practices on one concept in the run game, whereas Mike McCarthy would be like, hmm, we'll get to it. There are going to be fewer plays, and they're going to execute the hell out of them. And then what they're going to do is they're going to line up in the same formation and they're going to they're going to make you think they're running the same play, same pre-snap motion, same splits and they're going to run a play that gashes you for thinking they were going to run that first play. That's what this offense does. It creates indecision in the minds of defenders. Make it look like one thing and show them something else or show them one thing and make it something else. This is that deception that this offense can create, and it it makes life easier for the quarterback. That's what you have to do. And it is telling when when Matt LaFleur was talking about these receivers, these these young rookie receivers, now second-year players, Jamon Moore, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, and Equinemius St. Brown. The first thing he said was they're big and fast, and what we want are receivers who can get down the field. This is going to be a big play offense. So don't mistake the idea that they're going to run the ball with the idea that this is going to be a conservative offense. It's not. Go back and watch those 2016 Falcons teams. They played with tremendous balance. Devontae Freeman and Tevin Coleman destroyed teams on the ground, but they were also able to create play action, deep shots to Taylor Gabriel, to Mohamed Sanu, to Julio Jones. And they created big plays. They were incredibly efficient. That's what this team can do as well. And and they were also hinting, Matt LaFleur and Brian Gutekinds were that, while they're, they're very happy with Aaron Jones as a player and believe he can be a dynamic guy, Gutekinds said specifically he's got to condition his body to stay on the field. I don't think that's an indictment of Jones who apparently worked very hard last year on his body to get into shape, uh, unfortunately had some soft tissue issues, and those soft tissue injuries can often lead to uh, joint and ligament problems because the muscles are pulling on everything that's going. I mean, as someone who has muscle issues, everything works in conjunction. So when one thing gets out of whack, there's tightness, Things are pulled out of place, and now you're more susceptible to injury again. You need to make sure you're all the way back healthy and in a good place because you can really put strain on your body, and that strain is how you get re-injured. Matt LaFleur talked about Devontae Freeman and Tevin Coleman and the one-two punch there and, and the idea of taking stress off your guys. You can't give someone 500 carries in a season. There has to be... A split, but what Matt LaFleur recognizes that Mike McCarthy never did was that it doesn't make any sense to just throw a guy out there and say, okay, this is your series and call whatever plays. He pointed out 
and, and astutely, I thought, pointed out the way they deployed their running backs in Atlanta was not like they deployed their running backs in L.A. They catered the usage to the players. Imagine that. Taking a player, understanding what he does well, what he doesn't do well, and then saying, okay, we're going to put you in a position to succeed. This is a Christmas miracle in February. That is just not something we saw in Green Bay with Mike McCarthy the last few years. He wanted to run his stuff. Matt LaFleur has his stuff. But he's going to put the players on the field to run his stuff that give his stuff the best chance to succeed by putting the players in a position to succeed and by calling plays that are tailored to those players' skill sets, by putting guys on the field in a position where they can best be used, where they can be maximized. And if you don't have a guy who can do something, you either go get that guy or you don't do that thing. Todd Gurley was mostly a checkdown receiver for the Rams. Occasionally, they would split him out wide. That means the Packers don't need, if they don't have a running back who can do that thing, who can split out and run routes, Aaron Jones says he wants to be able to do that. He wants to learn how to do that. That's great. But if they don't think they have a running back who can do that, they're not going to ask their running back to do that. He's not going to be useful there. So this type of adaptability and malleability is really paramount to the success of this offense. I mean, I know that there were issues with Matt LaFleur's Titans team, but as he pointed out at the Combine, they lost Marcus Mariota in week one, and he wasn't healthy all year, much like Aaron Rodgers. They had to run wildcat at certain points because they didn't have a healthy quarterback. That is a a coach who can take what is given to him, figure out how to best use it, and go. This team wasn't quite getting the outside zone. The passing game wasn't working. So, okay, we're just going to run power with Derrick Henry. We're just going to change what we want to do because we have to because this is the only thing that's going to work now. He can do that. He can adapt his offense. And so let's say Equinemius St. Brown comes in and and lights up training camp. He's going to be put in a position where he can do things that Geronimo Allison can't or Marquez Valdez-Scantling can't or or vice versa, however that plays out. Those are guys with different kinds of skill sets. You tailor the routes they're running and the plays you're calling based on who is on the field. That seems basic. It seems remedial. And yet it is something that coaches fail to do over and over and over. And it looks like for now, Again, Mike McCarthy talked the talk about having balance. He didn't walk the walk. Matt LaFleur seems like a guy, especially someone steeped in that Mike Shanahan, Kyle Shanahan tradition. And even though that those Atlanta teams, they did not play with four receivers every time, even though they had quality guys and Matt Ryan and Julio Jones. And the, the 49ers right now, they like to play big. They have some they have some players. They don't they don't really have any players. But they like to play big. The Titans, they were somewhere in the middle, but more often than not, they were in two tight ends or two receiver personnel with some combination of backs and tight ends. That's what this offense is going to be. And that is conducive to running the ball. If you can create some indecision in the minds of defenders, 
and they have to believe you're going to run the ball. Play action only works if they believe you're running the ball. That's that's twofold. That is actually doing it sometimes. You, there is It is a myth that you have to establish the run for play action to work. But they have to believe you're actually going to run the ball. If you, if you call play action 20 times a game and you run the ball twice, at a certain point, the play action fake kind of loses its appeal. But the, the design of the fake and the execution of the concepts, that is paramount. And this team has shown an alacrity with play action passes. Rodgers has. He has talked about working on fakes. We think about quarterbacks who work on all kinds of different mechanics and throws and throwing on the run. No, he's worked on fakes, play action fakes. That's the kind of diligent worker Aaron Rodgers is. That is what is going to drive this team, and that is the engine for this offense. So it the lip service to balance with the Packers is over. Matt LaFleur is here to deliver that balance. I didn't mean to make Matt LaFleur sound like a, a a Jedi. He will he will come to bring balance to the balance to the force. Uh, that was that was bad. I don't know what that was. Uh, <laughs> we'll be back next week uh, to talk more about Matt LaFleur and and to talk about the beginning of the combine. We're gonna have players actually do stuff by the time I talk to you again on Monday. So we'll have a little bit of recap of that. We're gonna get to. Uh, a receiver offseason report card next week. I've been watching the receivers. There are some names I really like. Nikhil Harry and Debo Samuel for the Packers. Those are names to keep an eye on this weekend uh, and in and into the rest of the combine. We'll talk about that on Monday. Hopefully we can get John on next week to do a little combine recap, but we'll certainly have some combine discussions next week ahead of free agency and get those in there as well. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers. Subscribe to the show on iTunes, on Spotify, wherever you can subscribe. Subscribe and, and leave us a review. Leave us a rating. Let us know how we're doing. Let other people know why you found the show. And it's not Make a Friend Monday yet, but it's Thursday. We had a loyal fan of the show, Sarah Jackson, tweet us out that that the last few episodes were why people should be listening to Locked on Packers. Sarah, we appreciate that. Uh, We appreciate you. And be like Sarah. Let other people know that you're listening to Locked on Packers. Let them in on your little secret. Don't let it be your secret. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, send me your combine questions. Send me your your free agency questions. Send it all to me on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, 920-341-3775 and always stay locked on Packers.